0: Welcome to episode 1089 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, joined as always by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, not a bad Sunday. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's just another beautiful day uh, to talk uh, fantasy baseball. Not going to be too hot here in Northern California, which is a nice little change of pace. Uh, but I'm even more excited because we have a special guest today. We have Ray Murphy from Baseball HQ coming on to talk some fab and something even more important fab this week first pitch arizona ray welcome to the show thanks for the invite guys thrilled to be here absolutely remind everybody where you reach on social media and then talk about first pitch arizona and
1: why everybody should be booking their tickets right now exactly it's that time <laughs> of year right mm-hmm. uh, yeah so you can follow me at twitter at ray i'm the for anyone not familiar with my work. I'm the co-general manager at Baseball HQ. One of the things uh, we put together every year is our uh, in-person symposium at the Arizona Fall League. We call it First Pitch Arizona. Uh, it runs November 3rd to 6th this year out in Phoenix, Mesa area. Uh, we're out there for a weekend of Arizona Fall League action and uh, the Fall Stars weekend event. Uh, so we basically, as you guys well know, as longtime attendees, we basically alternate being in the hotel, doing conference sessions, fantasy baseball discussions, player analysis, strategy discussion, drafts, all those sorts of things. And when we're not doing those things, we're out at the ballpark checking out uh, the fall stars in action and the uh, checking out the AFL games. We'll get a uh, game on Thursday, two games on Friday a home run derby is a new event this year on Saturday. And then Sunday's Sunday nights, the fall stars game for people who can stay that long. So uh, it's uh, I, I think the best way I've heard it described in the last couple of years is, an immersive fantasy baseball experience. It's just you you'll show up, you walk into the hotel, sometimes even before you walk into the hotel, maybe you run into somebody at the airport and you just kind of get your brain in that mode and it stays there until you head back to the airport for, you know, 72 hours later or what have you. It's uh it, it's a great way to spend a otherwise random weekend in November. We get uh, maybe Game Six and Seven of the World Series this year as well, which is uh, another fun wrinkle. So we're uh, we're deep into planning stages now, and uh, one of the reasons we're here to talk about it today is we've got a registration deadline coming up uh, next weekend. It, the uh, on Friday is uh, the last uh, day to get our current best price, which is three hundred forty nine dollars for the weekend. So uh, it's a uh, a nice deal there and. I will turn it over to you guys and let you tell me what you guys like about the event. Well, Jason's been going longer than me, so I'll let him go first. <laughs> uh,
2: I think my first year was two thousand eight. Uh, I believe it was my first year. I missed one year uh, for something I forget, but that's about the that's the only time I've ever missed. But I mean, to me, it's just an opportunity for to be able to talk with people that are playing in all different types of leagues and formats and to hear things either from the capacity of actual baseball scouts uh, to people trying to make their way up through uh, and you get a nice balance of what the eyes see versus what the data tells you. And it's just a lot of inputs. And then at the end of the day, you sit down and you decide, you know, how many weights you're going to put on one input. Uh, And then compare and contrast. And it's what I like about it. It's not always, you know, it's not always, it's not an echo chamber. You know, it's, it's, you're looking for information, not affirmation. Uh, And so Justin may say, I love this guy. And Ray may be like, you're an idiot. I hate this guy. And this is why. And then it leads to a nice discussion through. Uh, So if like, if you're looking for affirmation, you're going to have to, it's going to have to hunt because you rarely get consensus on things, but it leads to great discussion. Uh, and you know, often it's like we run out of time. It's like some of these panels are so good. It's like, oh God, it's like we got to keep things moving, and we're out of time. And then it's then it becomes fire pit discussions or or wherever else discussions, and and the weekend just flies by. You wake up that last morning, you're like, it's over already. <laughs> Honestly, it could easily go easily go a week. I know, like financially, it's rather impossible to do that, but you know, I think back to some of my. Uh, my sales meetings that i have to go to at work for my uh, day job uh and by the end of those i want to go home uh and <laughs> conversely it's like we get to that sunday morning and i'm like i could stay at least another day and in fact i just did i surprised. we were starting to record i booked i pushed my flight out so i'm flying home on monday now i don't have to rush out on sunday uh with that because the uh, the fall storage game is sunday night um and so i i don't want to miss that i always enjoyed uh doing that and uh, we have the home run derby on Saturday night and then the, the All-Star, uh, Fall Stars game on, on Sunday night. So I changed my flight to fly home Monday. Uh, and I'll make it work uh, because it's a lot easier than getting home, going west coast to east coast and, you know, getting getting back so late. You know, like dragging into work the next day. I'm just going to take Monday off now and just travel home Monday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love first for sure. Arizona. I've been going Now, this will be my third year. I started going in in 2019. Obviously, 2020, we didn't get to have one, unfortunately, at least least not one in person. Um, So uh, for me, I love the panels. I love the games. But for me, the best part is hanging out with all of the people, right? Even me? Even you. Uh, (laughs) Less so you than other people. Uh, But, uh, I mean, the things that I learned hanging around the fire pit, talking to... Uh, Rob Silver and Vlad Sedler and Matt Modica and Todd Zola and like all these guys who are just infinitely smarter than me. um, Being able to just sit down and have one-on-one conversations with them, bounce things off of them, um, you know, uh, going, you know, playing poker at night, um, you know, and, uh, you know, going out to dinner with people, talking with people, like it's just it's such a fun and almost like family atmosphere in terms of like just like getting together with people. You may not really know in person, but you get to know in person. Uh, and it's just it's so invaluable from um, a, uh, a fantasy baseball knowledge standpoint that uh, uh, I couldn't imagine missing it. Uh, I'm, I'm missing my my eldest child's first band concert uh, in middle school so I can go. So sorry, things certain
1: things take priorities. (laughs) That's high praise. No, you guys both on something that I've always treasured as one of the, uh, what one of the key elements that make it so successful. And it's not even something we can take credit for because I'm sort of the one of the current stewards stewards of this thing now. But obviously was started, you know, years ago by Ron Chandler, Rick Wilton, etc. But it's the the, the spirit of sharing and the idea that we bring in so many different analysts, you know, you guys both rattled off a bunch of names of guys who all write for different sites. Their work is visible in different areas, but everyone's bringing their best, here and everyone's sharing their best, right? No one's holding back like, oh, this is my sleeper. I'm not talking about him in November. He's the one I'm looking to cash in on in March. Everyone is putting their cards on the table. And as Jason said, you know, that leads to a better discussion of here's why I like this guy. Here's why you're crazy. And you can't have those kinds of fruitful, in-depth conversations unless everyone sort of agrees to not pull their punches. Right. And for, you know, as I said, reasons that go on before I was even involved in this thing, that's the ethos of the place, right. Is everyone's got their cards on a table and is showing their best work. And if you are interested or you like to kind of see behind the scenes
0: in terms of like how certain player prices in terms of like ADP and auction values get set so early on in a draft season, first pitch Arizona is one of the reasons you know there are multiple drafts and we had four drafts last year going on uh, at the same time and uh, and people will kind of plant their flags on players early we saw the Patrick Sandoval people going crazy driving up that price we saw the Aaron Ashby people going crazy driving up that price every year there's two or three guys that become the talk of the conference um, and that's where a lot of the the hype and helium get started on some of these guys so if you are into early drafting this is a great place to go because you're going to hear those names before they're all over the airwaves and all over articles um pumping up their prices you know by the time you get to february and march
2: yeah
1: consider it inside insider trading so it is yeah for sure <laughs> a, a sunday morning ritual you were talking about waking up on the last day and being amazed it's over already, Jason. And you know, the thing that always cracks me up on Sunday morning is everybody running to the draft boards the night before and taking their pictures of them on their phones, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to snag my picture of this and stare at it for like however many hours my flight is on the way home. And that's, as you say, kind of you know, one of the ways the market gets set. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely uh, uh, fun time, a blast. You have to go if you can afford to. Um, I know not everybody can. Um, and that's why we uh, we, you know, continue to kind of talk about what happened, you know, after the fact and stuff. But it's um, it's just a really, really great place to meet people who are like minded uh, about baseball and fantasy baseball, learn a lot of information and have just a really, really great time. The hotel is fantastic uh, that we're staying at. Um, it's right across the street from from the Mesa Park uh, or for is it Sloan Park? The Sloan Sloan Park. So yeah. They share so, a parking lot. That's how close they are. Yeah. I mean, and that's <laughs> where the the all-star game is and the home run derby this year. So well, last year, unfortunately, there weren't many games there uh for us to go to at night. So this year we get to like just walk across the street, go to those games, especially those big events. So uh it's it's well worth uh staying at the hotels, being there for the conference um you're you're not going to regret it i have not met yet a person that said oh i wish i hadn't gone i've only met people that say they're going back
1: yeah our return registration rate is very very strong and that's why it's people uh you know people who come what the, the hardest part is talking them into it right or getting them to make yep. the commitment make clear their schedule like jason said you know for, you know even b- even beyond the financial element, flying from east coast to west coast for a you know for a three for basically a three day weekend requires a lot of jujitsu, especially if you have got kids or anything like that. But all we can say is the people who make the commitment once keep coming back, and that's uh, that's about the best endorsement we can give.
2: Yeah, the poor planning uh, on my part was uh, a daughter being born on uh, November second, uh, and mm-hmm. so like every it's <laughs> like even this year it's like looking out, and I'm like, that's why I'm not coming out Wednesday night because we did that you know year one i already bought everything booked i had a flight i left the evening of the afternoon of the second we literally had the birthday party because she was one i'm like she's not going to know if i'm here or not blew out the cake i left went to the airport i still hear about that uh there have been a couple of years where um where i've been out uh there on her birthday and then one year i I think i've told the story on, on here on the podcast but one year I was out there. I left the night early, took the red eye flight because her I think it was one of those years where it was the 29th until the second or third. Took the red eye flight home, you know, took a nap in the Atlanta airport in my layover, got home, woke up. Hey, honey, happy birthday. And she's like, can I go play with my friends? And I was like, that's it. See, I did all this effort to get home for her birthday. And she did not care if I was here or not. (laughs) That's it. We're done. Uh, but now, as I looked at the schedule months ago, I'm like, oh, it's going to start the third. Perfect. I'll fly out first thing in the morning on the third. So I'm here for uh, for the birthday because uh, she'll be 15 this year uh, uh, with that. But, yeah, I'll never forget flying home, red-eyed, just dragging and coming home. And I was like, I'm going to bed. And I went to bed and slept the rest of the day because I don't sleep on airplanes. I'm just
0: big. Yeah. I, don't, I,
1: I, don't I don't know, know, sleep in first Arizona, so, you know, that gotcha. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I miss my daughter's, uh, my youngest daughter's uh, first birthday um, in order to come out in, in 2019. And I still have not heard the end of it, even though she has no idea. My wife and my other child um, don't let me forget. Um, and that's okay. It was a blast. I, I had a fantastic time. So, um, and, you know, kid doesn't you were there. Myself, just. Photoshop, put pictures. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the Photoshop is a beautiful thing. Um, let's, uh, let's transition away from... First pitch, Arizona, uh, and start talking uh, about some news, and then we're going to get into a bunch of fab for the weekend uh, because this is, surprisingly this late in the season, going to be a pretty active fab week. Um, Let's first talk about Josh Hader. He's going to get a quote-unquote break from closing uh, as he has struggled since coming over to San Diego. Ray, who do you think is next up in San Diego? And would you drop Josh Hader?
1: I mean, I'd be willing to drop anybody at this time of year. I, I guess my fear with Hater is that uh, you know we we could talk for a couple of minutes about what the root cause of the issue is here, but mm-hmm. my fear is that maybe it gets straightened out very quickly. And I think I'd probably hold a little bit longer before I actually dropped him. But a lot of that depends on your same situation, your alternatives. Uh, it's certainly not. I'm not saying it's a time for patience, but I'm saying if you drop him tonight. I wouldn't rule out that you regret it by like as early as next weekend. Right. But in terms of what happens in the meantime, I, I think, you know, it was briefly Luis Garcia around uh, the trade deadline in between Taylor Rogers and Hater, And I think that's probably where they go back. Uh, I'm watching Robert Suarez too. Those are probably if I'm, if I'm hunting for saves this weekend in San Diego, that's where I'm looking, but I'm not sure Hater's out of this role for long. Jason, who do you think is
0: that next up? And do you think haters out of the role for long?
2: I mean, obviously, it's not the return on investment San Diego thought they were hoping uh, to get when they made this deal. I'm looking at the numbers 22 batters faced, more walks than strikeouts, uh, and uh, six earned runs. I was reading a story yesterday, the other day, where he's talking, the hater's talking about that his delivery gotten a little east west. Uh, and that's, he thinks it's a mechanical issue that he's gotten a little east west. And he needs to tighten things, uh, tighten things up. I mean, all of us have watched him pitch. You know what the delivery looks like. It's got, it's loose. Yeah, but if he's getting east and west and he can't get a consistent release point, it would explain these types of numbers. And it wasn't like he wasn't, you know, he was having some issues before the trade. So it's not like these things just came up as he went over. I mean, there was the, he was. Uh, getting on the struggle bus in Milwaukee, uh, towards the end, maybe it was the trade rumors. And now that he's changed uh, that, but, um, you know, pitching coach wise, let's not forget San Diego had issues last year. Uh, who's their pitching coach now? I forget who they added. I don't remember. They have a wonderful with Blake Snell getting him back in, uh, in alignment because mm-hmm. Snell was struggling and hopefully they can do the same thing with, uh, uh, with hater. I agree with Ray it's like if the mechanical tweak it's only going to take an outing for him to yeah it could be one outing for him to turn this around but right now it's like he's unrecognizable he hasn't had a strikeout in, in his last two outings against the Nationals I mean that's how you're supposed to get strikeouts uh, against those guys and he's not he hasn't been able to strike the get a strikeout in either one of his last two appearances um, with that so it, it could just take one time around I'll give him another week uh, but you're, we're running out of, uh, of ramp, so it's like give him another week. And if it doesn't show, and the thing is, he may only get two appearances this week. And that's one of the things with some of these. With some of this, you know, he's appeared on the ninth, the 18th, and the 19th. So they gave him a little bit of a break and said, okay, let's see what you can let's see what can, you can do. And he's come back and there hasn't been much of an improvement yet. So he's got one more week on my roster. If if I had him, I don't have him anywhere because I wasn't paying that price coming into the season.
0: I do have him in one of my main events, so this is uh, this is a bummer for me. It's uh, been pretty brutal. Um, I'm holding on to him for a little while. I, you know, I mean, I know that there's not much time left in the season, but there's very few guys who can impact the category in the way that he can down the stretch, if and when he does get the job back. I assume he will get the job back once he is uh, right. Uh, so, I'm I'm not cutting bait quite yet. That may change here in the next week or two. Like Jason said, not much time left in the season. Um, I do agree Luis Garcia seems likely to be the next man. Um, uh, Robert Suarez could factor into that. Um, Adrian Marone is back healthy. Finally, he could factor into it. Nick Martin is. Uh, I think Luis Garcia is the number one, but it's kind of one and then a bunch of, like, twos. Uh, that might be sneaking in there. This could turn into, like, a full-blown committee, to be honest.
1: Sure. If there's enough time for that to play out, right? And then, you know, Mm -hmm. back to Hader, just to, you know, some of the other wrinkles um, that make me think that maybe this is fairly short-term. You know, one of the things that came up um, somewhere on Twitter the other day was that, uh, you know, he's got a – young child who's just a couple of weeks old and coming mm-hmm. off a different difficult pregnancy. And, you know, there are all, there's the whole, these guys are people when he just moves across the country. And, you know, I don't know whether his wife and kid are with him or not, but you know, there's some, certainly some stressors going on there. The other thing that I was just nosing around with this morning is I had a trigger in the back of my head that, um, thinking about the last time Hitter went through a real rough spot. I was going through his game logs, and it was like July of 2019, or August of 2019, where he gave up runs in like five or six consecutive outings, and it turned yeah. out turned out to be a, uh, a tweaked back. And you would think if it was something like that, they would put him on the IL, but maybe that's why they gave him that, that eight or nine-day break. The thing about it that was interesting is that when he got right, he got right in a hurry. Um, so maybe he's just got to find the right you know beside the right chiropractor in San Diego I don't know um but you know I, I go which will all brings me back to the whole you know watch for another week and he'll probably make the decision obvious for you yeah um Mo- uh, Molly is hitting the
0: IL uh with shoulder information it, he's a pretty easy drop right Jason yeah it's shoulder it's gonna be weeks that, that's kind of what, what we run
2: into uh when when the guy has a shoulder trouble it's not just something oh 10 days off oh we'll feel better then it's a throwing program uh and so it's you know i get i guess i'm the resident shoulder expert with the three surgeries so yeah. it's like yeah uh it, it takes it takes some time uh i think the the trickle down effect though uh is right it depends. Well, it depends. Like if Dylan Bundy can come out and pitch as he did in his last outing, like where the hell did that come from? Uh, you know that worked out nicely, but this week, ew, this week the the Twins are traveling to Houston, and so Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer are are set to face the Astros. Uh, I'm telling you this so you can stack your Astros this week uh, because those are both really, really poor pitching matchups uh, for the uh, for the starter, and that should be. Uh, a very—I don't know who has the Tuesday game. It's not showing. It may be Johnny Bullpen pitching the opening game of the series, but Bundy and Archer had the next two uh, out of that. This is unfortunate. I mean, the Twins went out and made this acquisition because it's what they needed. Because we've talked of—I think four to six weeks ago—about how a lot of the guys in this rotation were already well over their skis on workload jumps, and they needed to get somebody in this rotation that could help shoulder that load. And no pun intended. Uh, it' not going to be Molly, uh, and they really don't have anything to bring up and do this. So they're going to have to really lean into their bullpen. I know the other day um Pagán came in and followed up Molly and got a win uh, the other day. But unless they can think they can squeeze something out of, I don't even know what they could squeeze something out of. I'm looking through the looking through the farm system. Josh uh, Winder still hurt. You got Jordan Velasovic possibly. Drew Stotman was the, the other guy that came over in the. Nelson Cruz trade with Joe Ryan, that's somebody they could perhaps lean on because he's on the 40, Uh, but not
0: good. Uh, Yeah, Aaron Sanchez, supposed to get the uh, Tuesday start for the Twins against the Astros. He sets up for a two-start week against the Astros and the Giants. Sanchez, Archer, and Bundy. Party like it's 2016. Yeah, right. if you're wondering why Minnesota's lost so much ground in the central, there you go. It Has a lot uh, to do
1: with it. Ray, uh, anything to
0: add on on Molly? Easy drop.
1: Yeah, easy. You know, easy drop. You know, and I, I sort of have this default mindset that I'm being a little, I'm trying to delay that insta drop mentality this year, just because season is season is a little bit longer. Yeah, you know, we do go five mm-hmm. six days into September, and end of August is not nec- You know, we're we're Percentage wise, you know, we've got a little more runway left than we usually do. But shoulders are not a place where I mess around. Just to pile on the names we're throwing out, um, I think I'm pretty sure I saw that Kent Maeda was throwing a bullpen the other day. Um, right. He may actually be, be, be appearing in this rotation sometime in September. I was waiting for Bailey Ober to get back so that one of Bundy or Archer would get removed from this rotation. And obviously, those guys are you know, those, those guys have. Uh, pretty entrenched positions now, given Molly, et cetera. And that's, uh, as Jason says, not good news, except for Twins opponents. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez hit the aisle this morning uh, with a tricep strain. Um, Ray, who are your thoughts on who might be first man up in Philadelphia now that Dominguez is not the closer for now?
1: Well, last night it was David Robertson for a two-inning save, and I'm not sure they want to do that all that often. But I think that's probably uh, a good indication that it's going to be Robertson first. You know, looking at who else there might be, you know, Brad Hand has a nice ERA that is built entirely on smoke and mirrors. Uh, but we've seen a couple of times this year where they've turned to him in uh, you know matchup-specific situations. That I, I certainly can't rule that out. Um, you know, since coming off the um, it's missing some of the beginning of the season uh kind of Brogdon's been decent but i don't think that's really uh you know he's been more than decent but i don't think that's really a situation where he's going to supplant robertson you know the robertson Dabrowski just went out and paid for him and i think that usually means that uh they're gonna they're gonna run with him in this situation jason what are your thoughts yeah, since
2: – I mean, Robertson obviously makes the most sense. Last night's two-inning save was also a 36-pitch save. Uh, but Robertson's done this before, even on Wednesday, through 22 pitches. Uh, we, You know, we mentioned Brad Hand. Brad Hand uh, last night threw 14 pitches. They were the first 14 pitches he had thrown all week. It's a weird – it's just a weird util, uh, utilization situation there. So they, they appeared really to be holding hand for a very specific – Role uh, with this, so but Robertson is in the been there, done that category, um, and you've got you've got Alvarado and Hand both for the lefty situations. So if they're holding, if they've been holding Hand for certain things, you can let Alvarado do that as well. But you, this should be Robertson's running away.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it's going to be Robertson. Um, I know that Philadelphia likes having Robertson kind of in the fireman role, uh, but. I don't know that you want to turn over the ninth at hand right now. So, because uh, like Ray was saying, it is largely built on smoke and mirrors. Uh, is many grand Grandal to the IL. Uh, easy drop there, Jason. Oh, God. <laughs> so,
2: oh, I was so high on him coming into the season. Uh, he has been killing me in so many rosters. Uh, yeah, easy. I mean, it's back. It's back again. It's the back that's been bothering I think. Me. I think it's a knee issue. Oh, this is knee this time. Uh, yeah. Yeah just he's had a lot of trunk and down uh, trouble this year and yeah he's droppable I mean even when he has been active he hasn't been usable Uh, it's just been it's been bad situation Uh, as Zebi Sabala has been out playing him Uh, I think maybe the maybe we should have seen it coming when Grandal was down here in Charlotte on a rather lengthy rehab assignment I was surprised how long he stayed down here Uh, but I saw him play in a couple of games before his his, uh, latest activation but I'm dropping him just out of frustration at this point. I'm done. I I have him in four different leagues and
1: done. Ray? Yeah, nothing to add on the this year outlook. I guess I start to have questions about, you know, to Jason's point about the accumulating injuries on the trunk and down there, whether he's even a catcher long-term anymore. And, you know, obviously, at least for another year, he retains the eligibility for our purposes. So that's good. But I do wonder whether we're going to have to see some kind of adjustment in how he is deployed to, you know, get any value out of him. And, you know, by the way, you know, Simeon Zavala is a pretty decent do-no-harm catcher for your, uh, you know, and now he's going to be getting regular at-bats. You could do worse than that in your uh, in your C2 for the next six weeks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so team
0: team. Out. <laughs> I'm wondering what the White Sox are going to do next year because I, I mean, I think they would like to move Andrew Vaughn uh, to first base full time uh, and in uh, and kind of hide Eloy at uh, at DH uh, with Jose Abreu, I believe his contract being up at the end of the year, um, but they still have another year on Grandall and I mean, I don't know if he can continue to be behind the plate at the you know the levels that he's been so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. season. Hopefully, uh, getting rid of Tony Larusa is at the top of the list. I was going to say, there's
1: a lot of work to be done there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's uh, let's move into some fab work. Uh, there's going to be a pretty active fab session uh, tonight in uh, you know in all fantasy baseball leagues. We got to start off with Brett Batty, who uh, not only came up and hit a home run in his first at bat, it was on the first pitch of the at bat. Uh, he's going to be a hot commodity at the hot corner. Ray, what are your thoughts on Brett Batty as a fab pickup?
1: Well, while not trying to overinterpret what he's done in his first five games, it is kind of interesting it jumps out. Obviously, the home run got a uh, got a lot of attention. but And the other good news is he's not striking out much. He's only struck out three times in doing quick math here. It looks like 17 at-bats. Uh, but he's also only hit four balls in the air. Which seems like a bit of a problem. He's he's, he's killing worms all over the place with the uh, with the ground balls. And again, not to overinterpret the what we're seeing as he makes his adjustment here. But I I mention all of this because uh, looking at our playing time projection on Baseball HQ, we've got him at fifty five percent of the playing time at third base. Which I haven't talked to Phil Hertz, our uh, NL East analyst here, but that that to me amounts to a giant shrug. I don't know. Right, Escobar's out until probably mid-September with an oblique, so Beatty's got some running room there. But is Beatty going to be able to hold off Escobar when he comes back? It's going to depend on whether he hits, and that brings me back to the very early re- the very early returns here, and I think the question of how quickly he adjusts is going to be what determines the answer. Jason, what are your thoughts on Beatty? Uh, I'm pissed. Because I went to
2: Tuesday here in Charlotte, uh, Syracuse has been in town all week. So Tuesday, I'm going to the game. To Brett Batty's going to hit lead off. Francisco Alvarez is going to hit second. I'm like, all right, get to the park. It's posted, and then I'm walking to the park. Hey, he's been promoted. No, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I went to see him play in person. Uh, but then I got to see the Mark Viento show too. Uh, so and that dude's got some pop. Uh, he was he was hammering the ball. Uh, got to see the ghost of what was Dominic Smith playing the game as well. And even Khalil Lee, uh, it was, they put a heart on the, on the uh, Charlotte Knights pitching staff uh, with that. But I agree with everything uh, that Ray has said about uh, Batty. I mean, He's the good news. He's been in the lineup every single day. He's he's hitting eighth and he's uh, elevating the baseball, but it was a great first, you know, great first pitch moment. His family was there to see it. And that was awesome. Uh, love those types of things. Uh, with that, but you know, it was. I'm just a little bitter that I didn't, didn't get to see him play in person, because I was looking forward to that Tuesday night when I said, oh, Syracuse, Oh, look who's in this lineup, I'm going, and he gets called up.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys as well. I mean, you have to look to kind of like what he did in the minor leagues. He had a 56-ground ball percentage this year at AAA, so it's the guy who tends it more on the ground. He's got a ton of power. I mean, it's legit 70-grade power in the bat, but he's got to learn to elevate it a little bit. That being said, Eduardo Escobar's been atrocious this year. Um, I mean, he's just been really, really bad. I can't imagine there's really a reason for the Mets who are competing uh for really good seeding in the playoffs right now, uh, that they need to put Eduardo Escobar. They're trying out. to keep it. They're trying
2: to keep Atlanta at bay. Mm-hmm. It's not working out well. Every time I turn around, it's like like yesterday they split the doubleheader, and then Mets the, the uh Atlanta came back and and won last night in extra. Yeah.
0: And it's important because you want to win that division, so that way you get that first round by. You don't have to play in the wild card games. Um, so and they can trade Escobar. I mean,
2: don't forget they have a guaranteed. Escobar's got guaranteed money next year, and then a club option. Yeah, after but
0: that. they don't care about the guaranteed money as much now that they've got the super super rich owner. They're no, no, months. they can move it, yeah.
2: uh, or they—he's an expensive bat option, a uh, uh, bench yeah.
0: option. Like, they, they just don't – I don't think they care as much about the money-type situations that they uh, like they used to. Um, but I, I think if if Batty hits, he's going to continue to play. Like, I just don't see why they would go back to a player in Escobar who's clearly struggling uh, all season long. And uh, I think really he's been affected kind of by the dead and ball this year. I think he went from, you know, wall-scraping uh, kind of power um, to uh, doubles power. Uh, just so enough, that- not enough. Exactly. So uh, Mike Soroka is working his way back. Speaking of the Braves uh, coming back after just really struggling to get back from these Achilles injuries, Jason, any interest in picking up Mike Soroka is kind of a stash play. Uh,
2: not really. I, not, not really. I, I never really, I never liked the guy much before he was hurt. I never really bought into uh, the skill set. I mean, I know he had that one full season, but I recall, bold predictions like running away from him i don't like the foundation of this and he gets hurt what is this third outing of that season um then he got hurt with it again i just i never i've never been impressed watching this stuff uh but i know he's had the results so i no not not somebody that i'm actively hoping to get this weekend
1: what about you ray any interest in mike soroka you know, I took a look. We're only projecting him for 12 innings this year, which is going to be, what, a token two or three September starts. Um, I, If they accelerated his timeline, I might get more interested, but lacking evidence of that, and given what we were just saying about how the Braves are trying to reel in the Mets, and I'm not sure that they're going to want him out there until they're, they're confident he's one of their five best guys to be in <laughs> – that rotation so if he's a mid-September guy this is still a couple of weeks too early for me
2: he's got yeah. a rehab assignment today he's got another start today with Gwinnett so keep an eye on the news to see what happens today uh for him I mean obviously there's room in the road there's room in the rotation we've talked about how Strider they've got to you know He's already pitched a lot compared to last year. Uh Rizzi has already we've already seen the, the Oda Rizzi tax happen where he stayed in the games too long, has gotten beat up. Uh and so even if they could piggyback and say, Jake, go get first 15, 18, okay, and then Soroka come in and finish that, sure. try to do something along. But they they need another arm that can uh that can work multiple innings because right now they've just been throwing out some of these other relievers and you know they've got they've got a nice deep bullpen. Uh, with all this, uh, but they need another arm that can give them some bulk. Even, it, I mean, that's the weird thing for them is they're they're still trying to chase the division. So it's like, it, it'd be different if they were in like in the West and one of these divisions where you have 10 plus games out at this point, you can kind of manage, you know what your postseason role is going to be uh, at this point. Like if I'm the Padres, give, you know, you're trying to just manage what your po- postseason is going to look like, but Atlanta has got a very good shot uh, at winning that division. And so they need somebody to help offset some of that load. They're getting it from uh, Freed and Wright. Uh, Morton looked fantastic in his last outing. Uh, but I still have my concerns about them running Strider out there at the volume that he's been using. And Oda Rizzi, he is what he is. And everybody knows it. Uh, and he needs somebody that can come in and pitch the rest of his game.
0: I am, I'm watching it very closely. I'll be interested to see what he does today. Uh, in terms of his rehab start uh, at A, In his first rehab start, he went four innings. He struck out eight. That is not the Mike Soroka we know. Now, it wasn't high A, so there's obviously caveats. But what I said about him when Paul and I talked about him, I think last week or maybe earlier this week, um, is that a guy like Soroka doesn't get a ton of strikeouts to begin with needs volume to make him valuable over the course of time. We don't have enough time left for him to volume his way to be valuable. If he can, if he's striking people out at an interest, you know, at a high clip right now in the minor leagues, um, he might become a little bit more interesting, especially if he's going deeper into games than we kind of expected. I mean, four innings in his first uh, rehab start uh, is you know, more impressive than I would have expected. I would have expected him to go one or two, maybe even three innings max. So, um, kind of monitor what's going on. I don't know that I would want to pick him up this week, obviously. I think he's going to get at least another uh, rehab start or two after this one. So uh, I would expect at the earliest that maybe he's there early September, but it's probably more mid-September. Fran Mel Reyes is starting to get going a little bit uh, now in Chicago after being traded at the – sorry, not traded. He was DFA'd and then traded uh, by uh, by the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on Fran Mill? Is is this the time to pick him back up? Uh, He's certainly getting the consistent playing
2: time with stuff. I have not seen him play, so I can't tell you if he's he's not doing his own version of worm killing uh, the baseball as he's known to do uh, with stuff. But he certainly has been getting the playing time with the Cubs uh, and making the most of it. So ride the heater and see what happens. I don't know what else to say about it, but as like I said, at least he's getting the plan time. He is putting the ball in play. He has, I mean, we've talked about one of the bonuses of the Cleveland lineup is they make the most contact in baseball. Uh, and so they put the, the pressure on the defense to make those plays, uh, you know, with guys like Quan and, and uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, Ahmed Rosario and obviously Jose Ramirez, but they are putting the, uh, they put the ball in play and, and for, and for Reyes, that was one of the things that was always frustrating with him. It's like, oh wow, you know, you had Cleveland, you have all these guys on base, and you just couldn't do enough with that. And so then he goes to Chicago, who's kind of like the antithesis of that, who strikes out a bunch, doesn't put a bunch of guys on base, and then Reyes is driving those guys in. So it's like I know he's been driving you nuts all year, but I kind of feel like you gotta you kind of ride the heater and see and but have a quick trigger on it.
1: What about you right? Yeah, I agree with ride the heater and I I'm usually pretty favorable toward the Indians and Guardians, excuse me, I'm still doing that, about how they how they handle their resources and the, the financial constraints they have, et cetera. But th- this seemed rash when they gave up on them. And maybe this is one of those places where the guy needed a new voice. Looking at the batted ball profile that Jason was alluding to, the, the thing that jumps out at me is you know 42 at bats in August with – the uh, with the Cubs now, his line drive rate is up to twenty two percent, which is the thing that was the most aggravating about him in Cleveland is that it was he was either hitting fly balls or hitting grounders, but his 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 line drive rate was sitting around you know fifteen percent the last couple of years, and now it's up to twenty two. The sample size is tiny, but maybe indication that new hitting coach, new instruction, new philosophy, like Jason says, um, there's a there's a voice in his ear now that is getting things straightened out and really given time of year, et cetera, that's all I need to ride the heater.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this is obviously a small sample, and he's running with like a 4.17 BABIP since coming to uh, Chicago. Um, And so I I do think things will even out a little bit. But, I mean, these are the kind of waves you get from a guy like Franville. You know, you're going to get these ups and downs, and you have to just kind of be able to ride the wave. Uh, I think right now you got to ride the wave while he's hot. And so I think he is kind of near the top of uh, the pecking order in terms of fat pickups for the week
1: it was um, only a couple of years ago at this time that it was Aristides Aquino who doesn't have all that different a profile who yep. you know mashed 15 home runs in August or whatever it was that's what you're trolling for right
0: absolutely especially I, if you need power right now
2: yeah here here's a funny stat with, with Reyes in all of his time with Cleveland this year five barrels five mm-hmm. 18 hard hit balls. In his little time with uh, Chicago, four barrels, fourteen hit balls. So he's almost done as much in this two weeks than he did in four months with Cleveland. If I'm doing yeah. this right now, my math's- no, you're, you're math. No, hold is- on.
0: No, no, your are is correct. No,
2: the filter. I clicked the wrong filter. Let's do a little different. All right, twenty. never mind. Just forget that. I'm an idiot. I had May. So whatever. He's done more. Oh. He's done more in two weeks than he has in the first five weeks of the season already. There so um, that's what it was. I just looked over. I'm like, oh never mind. It's a bad date. I knew he'd do right. that. that even <laughs> those numbers didn't
0: sound right in reading them out. Carry on. <laughs> let's uh let's carry on to Shay Lane Galiers, who uh got the call uh and is now playing in uh in Oakland. Ray, uh is he kind of a must pick up indeed like two catcher leagues?
1: I mean, on this team, sure he has to be, right? I mean, it's been i for all the jokes about what the A's are running out there, I sort of think the bottom of the barrel is every time I open their box score. And it's been, you know, a couple of times a week that you actually find Stephen Vogt DHing. It's like, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah. Um, so at the very least, this should close the door on that. Um, you know, we're going to, I would assume what's going to happen is we're going to get a little more Sean Murphy DHing. He shouldn't be taken out of this lineup. But Lingoliers is, you know, in addition to, uh, you know, as a refresher, top 100 prospect came over in from Atlanta in the Matt Olson deal, but he's also a top shelf defensive catcher. The bat yep. seems like it came along this year, but I believe what's going to happen is they're going to let him catch because he's the you know classic toolsy defensive catcher, and they'll they'll let Murphy DH a little bit, catch a couple times a week, and for sure given... The team you've got to assume that this is an audition for Langleyers to show that he's ready to handle this job next year and Murphy gets traded in the offseason. But that's uh that's a bit of a wait and see, but I assume that's what's going on here.
0: Jason, what are your thoughts on Langley Lears?
1: I
2: don't recall the runner he threw out this weekend. It was either Friday or Saturday. He made a peg. I saw it on Twitter. He threw somebody out, he was down behind framing down behind the plate on his left knee, caught the pitch, believe it was a strike, caught it and threw an absolute seed down to second base where the second baseman just received the ball and, I mean, just put his glove down. Ball went right to the glove and they got the runner out. It was an incredible, like, to see a a rookie get up and make that kind of peg was just like, that was and I know that has nothing to do with fantasy, but it was like, oh, my God, Uh, for him to be able to do that and make it look so easy yeah uh, you know, but that's the kind of thing that keeps you in the lineup. that yeah you know, he's gonna you know, the, the hitting could go anywhere uh, with it, but that kind of defense is what's gonna keep him in the lineup uh, doing that. It's what you know honestly, it's what had Beth in court in the lineup as long as he was there because uh, he was showing the ability on, on defense as well um, with that and uh, and making hard contact. But honestly what the what I've seen of him, I know he had a home run um, earlier this week as well. But that defensive throw just really stood out because you don't see that kind of defense from from kids anymore. Yeah, uh, you know, Even even Rutschman, as well as he's hitting, I haven't seen watching uh, eight, ten Orioles games, have not seen that kind of wow moment from him. But just the one highlight that I saw of Langoliers, uh, that kind of throw, it's, he should get as much time as he wants in the lineup and behind the plate and let the bat work its way out. As you said, I mean, Stephen Boat shouldn't be taking any playing time for a
0: yeah, uh, Linglears is in the lineup today uh, as the as the starting catcher. Uh, he had, had been in his four games so far. He's been the DH three times in the catcher one, so a little interesting, uh, interesting to see. But he's been DHing a little bit more, but that'll probably uh, even itself out. I think that's a really good sign because it means he's going to play full time even when he's not catching, right? He's still in the lineup uh, as the DH. Uh, if you're kind of, you know, rotating through the, the league's worst catchers with your CQ position, I don't think you can do any worse than going for a guy like Langoliers, who's going to play every day, um, has shown a little bit of offensive spark uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, so, uh, And like uh, Ray mentioned, uh, is a premium defensive catching uh, prospect. So uh, I think he will be able to cement himself into that uh, Oakland lineup as bad as it looks. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, he's coming back uh, after going on the restricted list uh, for personal reasons. Ray, what are your thoughts? Is Rodriguez the kind of guy that can carry uh, a fantasy team's pitching staff the rest of the way? Because, I mean, he was kind of an SP2 coming into
1: drafts this year. Yeah, he was going and recalling his ADP off the top of my head, but somewhere in the, like, round 10, 12 range, something like that, and in the in the 15-teamers, and you know, when you compare him to some of the other pitchers that we've been talking about picking up the last few weeks or that you might be bidding on tonight, you know, a couple of points in his favor. One is he wasn't actually physically hurt, right? Um, you know, he's he's had some downtime for the last six, eight weeks, whatever it's been, but it's not an injury rehab situation. The only thing he's been doing on his minor league rehab is, you know, strengthening his arm and ramping up his workload. And... I guess kind of predictably, given that he's not coming off an injury. The rehab's gone really well, uh, you know, with two walks and 17 strikeouts across three minor league outings, his last outing, triple-A, six innings, one walk, 11 strikeouts, so I don't think there are any questions about whether he's ready. I don't think there are any questions about that they're going to have, You know, he's going to come back and compare to like a Soroka or something like that where he's going to come back and throw three innings in this start, four innings in this start. He's dropping back in this rotation to be the front man that he was supposed to be when they signed him this past offseason. And for six or seven weeks, I don't see any reason why he can't do that. Yeah, he was pick
0: 112 in main events uh, this uh, this draft season, so a pretty high pick. Jason, is he kind of the top of the pickups if uh, um, if you're looking for a pitcher this week and he's available in your leagues? He's available in something like 70% of ESPN leagues right now.
2: Wow. I, um, I grabbed him. I thought I grabbed him. Uh, I know I drafted him. I have him in two different leagues. I'm looking now. Uh, so I have him in a in the AFL Speakers League. That's where I drafted him. And then I have him uh, in my uh, draft champion. So I took him in two different D.C. leagues uh, with him. So I he's pitching today. Uh, he's making his first start for Detroit uh, shortly after this or maybe right when this is published. So we'll find out rather quickly uh, what's going to happen with him. But I put him on my lineup this week. Uh, for you know, this get immediate returns, I want to max out. As Ray said, you know he's not coming back from any type of injury. He went seventy three pitches and um, seventy two pitches in his last outing. The only thing I see is that like his average fastball was sitting at ninety one, which is about where he was uh, previously. So it's like he appears to be in whatever form he's going to be in. Uh, and I, you know, if you're if you're looking for volume, this is volume. This is your best chance at volume. Unless you want to continue to try to stream guys in and out, but this is a guy that you should be able to get now, um, and then two weeks from now get a nice uh, two start uh, two start week out of him as well. So we should have
0: you know six seven starts here down the stretch. Yeah, I mean it's not often you're able to pick up a guy who was a top 150 pick off the waiver wire at this point in the season, unless they've just been truly awful the entire entire season. So uh, I I think he, he. Probably vaults to the top of the list, especially if you need um, a starting pitcher right now. Um, moving right along, we have uh, uh, Aaron Savali, who's been pitching very well uh, since returning. Um, Jason, is Savali a guy you would target this weekend? Uh, yeah, I, I like I liked what I've seen from him.
2: Cleveland's playing well. Uh, they're the one team in that division that's playing well. Everybody else seems to be uh, – taking a step forward and a step back at the same time uh, every time they're trying to do something. Um, And so, yes, I would give Cleveland a chance looking at the division schedule. I wish I had more information about what the rest of their schedule looks like moving forward. Uh, The last outing was against Detroit and, you know, six innings, 10 strikeouts. That's honestly kind of the baseline of what you should expect to get when you're facing Detroit. Uh, So, but even the time before that, he struggled against Detroit. That's why it was nice to see him bounce back from that. And have a nice outing. So you know he's got and he had a good outing against Kansas City. So but that's what you're supposed to do against those types of teams. Is when you when you have the bad teams, you're supposed to take advantage of that. And for the most part, he has been able to uh with that. And so given the rest of the way, uh how most teams have a division heavy schedule. Uh I would be happy um having um Savali with me.
0: Ray, what about you? Where are you at on Savali?
1: Yeah, the schedule point is is the key one here. I think this is the Saval the kind of guy who you want to roster when the context is good, or you want to deploy him, or at least if you have that flexibility when the context is good. Obviously, two starts against the Tigers was as, about as good as it gets. Uh, looking at our, um, we have a individual start matchup scoring system at Baseball HQ, and looking at his start today against uh, the White Sox, he rates pretty well with a uh, with, with his rating. But then uh, for his next start. Uh, projected to be next uh, later in the week against the Mariners. It's yeah. uh, it, it's very much more a replacement level, and I think that's what Savali kind of is. He's replacement level and better than that when the matchup pushes him there, not when he pushes himself there. Yeah, he's going to have back-to-back
2: against the Mariners, uh, <laughs> assuming he's going to be the Saturday starter on the 27th. Mm-hmm. That's going to give him another outing uh, against uh, at home against seattle uh and then gives him a game against minnesota another one against minnesota another one against the white Sox. one against tampa bay and then kansas city to close out the season
1: so that's what the rest of the schedule looks like no more tigers unfortunately yeah
0: <laughs> but you get you have to get some royal starts uh actually i think he's gonna God, get the, the, the last play. last start of their next royal series not the minnesota one so uh if it lines up correctly uh, so two two more starts against Seattle, two more starts against uh, the Royals uh, mixed in there the rest of the way. Like, I'm I'm okay with those matchups. Those aren't bad matchups, and uh, you know we've seen him get some uh, decent strikeout numbers in some of these games. I, I think he can do better, especially if you're in a deeper league. Obviously, 10, 12, he probably doesn't make um, a lot of sense to like go overboard on him. But in 15 le- team leagues right now, the waiver wires. Pitiful. So if he's out there, he's definitely a guy. Um, I'm I'm making a priority go out and get. I right mean, now. since since
2: returning from in, since the end of May, he's only won one game of his eight starts, but he has a 2.97 ERA and a and a 1.09 WHIP. Yeah, well. Just decisions haven't been there for him. But again, Cleveland's getting hot. They're doing their thing, starting to win some of these games, and so perhaps that could come through for him. <laughs>
0: This is kind of the Savali we were hoping we we're going to get when he looked like he was starting to break out uh, a couple of years ago. So um, I, I think this is probably close to premium Savali, or at least what what we can get from him. And he's um, got some salt and pepper
2: mixed in. I mean, he's got three in those games, three starts against the Tigers, the White Sox, the Royals, the the Yankees before they started hitting like the Royals, uh, and, and Boston and Minnesota. So he's had a balanced for the most part uh schedule i mean, he, he mm-hmm. faced the yankees back when they were hitting um you know if so if, if, like if the yankees and the royals played a game right now with either team score no wow it's been real i mean the, the royals went 30 something innings without a run and the one run was a solo homer by mike massey uh it was a really good so it was a nice moment for him but that was their one run uh and then they got uh to uh, Friday night, uh, they got two, but yeah, they've been a big dry spell, and the Yankees is just wow. If it's not for the cheap home run, like uh, Glaber Torres hit a fence scraper to right center field um, yesterday, but Toronto, they this is what they absolutely had to do if they had any chance of catching the, the Yankees. I remember talking about this on. Toronto radio last weekend on Saturday saying this was a make or break weekend for them. A week they had to go and, and take care of, of Baltimore and they dropped two of three into Baltimore, but then they've gone into Yankee Stadium and it just had like kicked that dog wide's down. Uh, and uh, hoping for a four game sweep here.
0: All right, let's uh let's talk about the New York Yankees uh, a little bit more because <laughs> uh they've been struggling and Clay Holmes has now been removed. Uh, As the closer, they're going to run what looks like a two-man committee with Scott Efros and Aroldis Chapman uh, kind of getting into the role. So, Jason, is there one of these guys you think can emerge as the guy, or do you think this is kind of split between the two? I think
2: it's kind of split between the two, and and I'm going to, you know, for those listening, I'm air quoting. Aroldis Chapman got the win the other night uh, when he gave up a three-run basis-clearing double. Uh, to Francisco Mejia only because Jalen Beeks gave up a walk-off grand slam to Josh Donaldson. Uh, So, But Chapman pitched poorly. I love Scott Efros. He pitched well with the Cubs. I was upset when the Yankees made the deal to get him uh, because he's been just a great weapon out of that pen. But then yesterday I was watching him pitch, and just in the moment I'm turning it on, and then Matt Chapman hits a home run dead center field uh, off him. Uh, So it's everything's a mess right now in New York. Uh, But to me – Efros is the guy that I would want uh, in this situation uh, because Chapman, it's a day-by-day thing. But Efros has got a better track record, uh, is really tough to hit. Just Chapman got one. Uh, you know, And he's Chapman's closed that hole for the most part about having trouble with the elevated fastball that got him into so much trouble um, last season. Uh, and that's the exact pitch that Chapman went out and got yesterday and hit it dead center field. Um, I forgot who was playing center, if it was Florial or Hicks, but they almost made the catch. I mean, it wasn't – it kind of just made it over the fence, but it was it was a nice shot. But Efros is the guy that I will be going with right now. What about you, Ray?
1: Yeah, Chapman's just such a mystery to me. He was uh, – there were the Yankees were up here in Boston last weekend, and I was actually at one of the games and sitting like six feet from the Yankee bullpen when Chapman was warming up. And, you know, it's a bullpen. He looks great, of course. But, you know, he pitched back-to-back days for Boone, in a couple of close games in the eighth inning, the, the second day, Boone turned to him for four outs, which scanning his game log, I don't think he had actually done all year, which just shows you how in disarray they were when as, as Holmes melted down. But Chapman looked great. He no walks, four strikeouts across the two games, six swinging strikes. At that point, he had just scanning his game log here. He had allowed only one walk in his last nine appearances. The velocity was back up, sitting around 98, 99. It looked like Chapman was fixed. And then Jason recapped what happened this week, where not only did he give up the three-run double to Mejia, but suddenly in two after getting three days off after the four out appearance in Boston, he walks four and strikes out one in his next two in his next two appearances, after, as I said, basically not walking anybody for the last month. So Is he hurt again? Is the knee flaring up? I don't know, but it looks like you don't know what you're going to get from Chapman day to day to day now, which if you're Boone, I think means you have to use Efros in the quote unquote closer role and try to find spots where you've got some faith in Chapman because you don't want to line up everything for the ninth inning and hand the ball to Chapman and have this week's Chapman show up as opposed to last week's. Yeah, I, I
0: tend to agree with you. I, I mean, I want to lean towards the guy who's done it before because typically that's what managers like, right? They like these guys that uh, these are proven closer. And is there much is a uh, more proven closer, you know, in, in terms of longevity than Aroldis Chapman still in the league right now? Maybe Kenley Jansen. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like all of a sudden the wheels are starting to fall off again for Chapman. So I think Efros is probably the guy I'd be more interested in rostering, uh, which will be interesting because I think a lot of people will kind of default back to Chapman thinking he's uh, the guy who's going to get the majority of, uh, of the saves the rest of the way, and Efros will probably be cheaper on the way wire this week. So um, I'm hoping that's the case, and maybe I can sneak him through for some cheaper bids than I normally would. Uh, moving on to uh, Dustin May, who will likely be the most expensive player uh, uh bought in uh in fab this week uh because he went out last night and just absolutely dominated in his first rehab start back striking guys out looking really good on the mound ray how uh how crazy will you go for dustin may if he's available in some of your leagues
1: I don't think I have enough fab to get him anywhere, which is actually really aggravating me, um, because I, I I would shove my fab for him if in some hypothetical league where I still had some. Uh, that's where I am, and I, I to be honest, I was probably there before the outing from last night, that just, of course, probably, you know, up to the ante on what it's going to take to get him. Everyone, you know, there's going to be a lot, multiple people shoving in any league, but even before the outing last night, I was desperately hoping he would get rocked so that I could sneak him through <laughs> because the, the team context is so good and the Dodgers are in a position where they can, you know, manage his workload and, you know, at I, I, at this point, I'm not convinced that Jason, the Dodgers, can send Jason out there to get five scoreless innings and turn it over to the bullpen. At this point, they're just they're just so good at what they're doing do right now. And with that I don't even need scoreless. Yeah. I don't even do scoreless. I mean? Exactly. Five innings in three months it's fine too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: just need to be out there. They're they're on just such an absurd run right now. Give me all the dust in May. What yeah. about you, Jason? You same way. I mean, it obviously helped that he faced the Marlins. I saw somebody tweeting us this morning. It's like you know, last week because we did talk a little about Justin May and the concerns with commands uh, for guys coming off injury uh, and and strikeouts. And then he goes out and strikes out nine in, in five innings. It's like, okay, yeah, that's you know, it's the Marlins. Uh, there are certain matchups where these things are going to happen. Uh, but you know, as Ray said, you know, the Dodgers are in a great shape where they can manage his workload. They need to get him ready for October. There's no reason to aggressively push him. They have enough options uh, to uh to manage his workload effectively and get him um yep. in in game shape for uh the the for game shape in October. It's just a matter of keeping things um, I mean, they're gonna clinch the division by what, September twelfth? That they may be done with the, the the division. It's just a matter of staying sharp uh, at that point and, and getting your work in and being ready for uh, the second round of the playoffs because they're taking the first round off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously he's going to be the most expensive player. I'm expecting him to go for. Uh, someone is asking me, um, you know, on on Twitter, like, and I said I'm expecting him to go for a uh, hundred plus dollars in like every NFPC this weekend. Uh, you know, all the teams have been hoarding their fab for no apparent reason. Are going to get rewarded uh, right now. That being said, let's let's go back to what Jason was just saying. They were playing the Marlins. The Marlins have uh, a 28.2 strikeout per, uh, percentage, worst in Major League Baseball against left-handed pitching. Uh, a 71 WRC plus, a 595 OPS this year against. Um, against left-handed pitching, they are the worst team in baseball against left-handed pitching. So, so Andrew Heaney time? Yeah, no, no, still not Andrew Heaney time. <laughs> um, so, as much as I love Dustin May like this, uh, he he, I I wonder how many games he's actually going to go five. And so, if you are obviously looking for someone who can help stabilize your ratios, give you strikeouts, great. I think he can probably do that. Um, but. I'm worried if you're searching for wins and like in Tout Wars, for instance, uh, you know, right now there's like seven of us within like three wins of each other in the standings. Like, it, you know, if you search for wins, I don't know how deep he's going to go into games. Question. You were
2: saying all those numbers against left handed
0: pitching. Did you mean right? Oh,
1: or
2: are you?
0: you just know, I, I just I'm just still active for some reason. Okay. Just
1: too, for some reason. <laughs> for some why did
0: reason reason I
1: say like, oh, that? I thought you were like leading in the Heaney time. Nope. Uh, like I don't know why
2: I did that. Back to the beginning part of the show where we're like like laying cards out on the table at, at first pitch Arizona. That's when I was like, Andrew Heaney is going to be great this year. And he's been great when he's pitched, <laughs> just hasn't pitched often. <laughs>
0: I retract. I retract everything I just said about him because the Marlins are actually halfway decent against Ray, All right. So, so I've had my moment. Justin's yeah. had his moment.
2: Ray,
1: you're. It's I, I'm, I'm you. saving it up for a whopper. Don't worry. There we go.
0: <laughs> well, maybe maybe the whopper comes with Manny Margot. All oh, right, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Manny Margot is the next on our guide. uh Manuel Margot. He's gotten uh, back from the IL. A guy who could potentially be very impactful um, against uh, or for for teams looking for stolen bases with uh, not hurting you in the other categories. He's got a little bit of pop and can hit for average. Ray, would you be aggressive on Manny
1: Margot? I want Jason to tell me if he's actually healthy. I mean, I think the good news is that we know the Rays value the center field defense, Myers out. They borrowed, you know, they shoved Jose Searing in there for a while to try to band-aid that, but they clearly want Margot back. They want him to stabilize that center field defense. Hopefully they get Franco back soon too, but they're – You know, they're going to play for the defense. But in terms of your question of whether he could be impactful on the bases, Justin, you know, he's coming off a couple of lower body injuries. So, you know, can he actually run? I don't know, Jason.
2: Yeah. When I saw him play yesterday, he's moving at full speed. Uh, So I saw him uh, on a ground out. They did have him DH yesterday. He played right field in the first game uh, of the when he on Saturday. I take that back. Uh, he's DHing today. He played right field yesterday uh, with Rosa Arena and left and Siri at center. Is how they had the uh, had things, but he is DHing today. I wouldn't read anything into that because they just tend to give guys day- they use the DH as a day off. Nobody's really ever there full time uh, with that. But I did watch his one of his at bats yesterday uh, and watched him leg leg out full speed down first base. So I haven't seen him like what it looks like on the bases uh, if for anything, but. Let's as I often vent. This team sucks in base running. It is leading the league in outs on bases. Um, outs on bases does not take into account stole, uh, caught stealing, or pickoffs, or or uh, anything like that. But they have 57 runners thrown out on the bases. They have 17. Only the Royals have had more runners thrown out at home. Uh, but the Rays have been god awful. And, and like Friday night in the loss, this is where I got a vent. They had bases loaded now and the two outs in the fourth inning, and Harold Ramirez got picked off second base. How the hell do you get picked off second base with bases loaded? Uh, then Roman Quinn was the man Manfred man in the 10th inning and decided he was going to try to steal third base with one out. Sal Perez to an absolute C down to Bobby Witt Jr. Out, next at bat, fly out, game over. So it's like they just do stupid stuff like this. Yesterday, Radio Rosamanda got thrown out at home uh, trying to uh, score. So it's our third, rather. So it's just one of these things where it's like, stop, 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 stop running into all these outs. Uh, I, I believe it's costing at least four or five games um, this year. It's so unlike them uh, with that. Uh, that said, Margot should be, I mean, he hit third uh, Saturday. He's hitting second today. So when he's in the lineup, he's hitting high in the lineup. Um, and he's done a really good job of hitting the ball to all fields and getting on base uh, and taking the advantage of the run. When that injury happened, I thought he was out for the season. So uh, I, I wouldn't like to see a stolen base chance. And if it's not Perez behind the plate today, uh, which it probably is, um, unless it's Melendez catching, uh, but even Melendez has showed a really good arm too. He's thrown out two runners from left field in this series uh, already uh, with that. So let's see what what Margot can. Um, I'll be sold once I see Margot attempt a stolen base uh, because I do have him in a couple of leagues and I and I need the steals uh, from. Him. Been hurting since he's uh, he's been out hurting, uh, but uh,
0: just watching him run down the line, I saw him move full speed. Yeah, I picked him up in a bunch of leagues last week um, with the hope that he'd be back this week and I can uh, profit off some stolen bases. Uh, I mean, who knows what you're going to get from him in the stolen base department coming off of the injury. Uh, but that being said, like the upside, I think, is is worth the gamble. I mean, this is a guy who could potentially steal 5-10 bases the rest of the way if given the opportunity. Uh the rest of that outfield situation in Tampa Bay isn't uh, super exciting. So I think you'll get the opportunities uh, to play. So I'm, ta- I'm taking a gamble, but I think it's a gamble worth taking on my boy, Manny Margot. Uh, David Peterson uh, is set to kind of get a little bit more turn in the rotation. Uh, now that Carlos Carrasco's out for a little while. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on David Peterson? Uh, I will take him and let him
2: uh, and let him ride. Peterson's pitched. I've found that he's pitched well. Uh, the Mets are trying not to give up uh, the lead. Just I don't know if it's a matter of the Mets playing poorly as much as the Braves are just playing that well, uh, and that's what that's what shortens things. Uh, you know, they're going through, and this week, you know, this week will be a fun series because we've got the the Bronx. We've got the Subway Series, and Degrom and Scherzer are both facing the. Yankees. I mean, they're going to bust and if we say all this, it's like this is what's probably going to bust the Yankees out of this massive slump that they're in, right? They're going to they get these two A's, and they're going to beat them both up. Uh because that's how baseball is. That's how it works and, and we know it's going to happen. Or we could see like two massive and just really bury the Yankees um after that. So it's like I know their fans are dreading that series and you look at the matchups like, "Oh, this could be great." Um but both teams are going through their issues right now. But Peterson uh to me is is just like the nice complimentary piece to that type of pitching style for him to come in and do what he does. Uh, and you, you know, the Mets are going through a little bit of a bump. They'll take a step up and then get some wins out of Peterson uh, down the stretch. And so, yeah, I, I, if he's somehow still available in the league, I would take him. What about you, Ray?
1: Yeah. I, I have some regrets about giving up on him in a couple of places, you know, three, four weeks ago when Scherzer and DeGrom were coming back and it looked like he was going to be squeezed out of the rotation. But as inevitably happens, as Jason said, Carrasco gets hurt. Now it looks like Taiwan Walker's hurt, too. So as long as he has the opportunity in this rotation, I'm interested. And it looks like he's, he's the, uh, the seas are parting a little bit for him right now. Um. I'm assuming he's still be able to because he's called up as
2: the 27th man today.
0: I assume he'll stay up. Um, but he not get all the we'll, injuries. I don't know how he doesn't. Yeah. Um, if he stays on track uh, for the rotation, he would get Colorado next Saturday. His following two starts, he would miss the Dodgers series uh, and then get w- uh, home versus Washington, then at Pittsburgh. Those are three pretty nice starts in a row um, to get home, Colorado. Uh, home uh, Washington and then uh, uh, at PNC Park. So, yeah, I think I'm picking him up uh, where I can and, uh, and kind of rolling with it. He's going to be probably the backup pits to Dustin May and Wardo Rodriguez. But I think he can be just as impactful considering that uh, kind of upcoming schedule. As long as he stays on track, obviously kind of depends on what the Mets are, are looking to do with that rotation with so many injuries right now. Uh the last guy is the afore- aforementioned Michael Massey, um, who has uh, kind of come up out of nowhere and, and played really, really well. But I think he's kind of hidden in Kansas City because he's not widely owned outside of kind of deeper leagues.
1: Ray, what are your thoughts on Michael Massey? Yeah, there's some intrigue in his profile. Like Jason was saying, you know, the, the, given the lack of run scoring there and the park and the division overall, it's... You know, there are some headwinds here. I mean, he, you know, In 60 at-bats, he's making a decent amount of contact. He's making a great amount of heart contact. Uh, you know, Our expected power metric really likes what we're seeing from him in the 60 at-bats. He's hitting a lot of balls in the air, which could be good if he could actually drive them over the fence. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I do get worried in Kansas City that that just leads, leads to a lot of warning uh, track fly balls. So, mm-hmm. I... You know, in the right context, I'm interested. I uh, but you know, I, I think he probably should be. To your point, Justin, there should be a little more interest in him than there are now, but, than there is right now. But I don't, you know, I I don't want to go so far as to say that like he's league altering or anything.
0: No, I I don't definitely don't think he's league altering. I think he's more of a um uh, sum of all the parts kind of guy as opposed yeah. to going to carry you in any particular category. And so if you're looking for that balance. You know, a guy who can hit, for, especially batting average late, like, right? I mean, at this point, usually if you're getting a guy who's, who's uh, advantageous in batting average, he's probably going to actively hurt you in other categories. I don't know that Matthew's going to actively hurt you. He may not actively help you in other categories, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be a drain on your homers or stolen bases. I think he's going to chip in on enough of both rests the way to kind of help you uh, just in general some. Um, you know, maybe like a, a Gene Segura-esque kind sure. of player on a worse team. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Massey? Uh, watched him
2: play this entire series, so I've seen three games of him. He's really impressive in the field defensively, really impressive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good range. Uh they were, they were commenting on the broadcast that he was a minor league gold glove winner. I mean, say what you will about that, but in the minor leagues, they only give out one per position per the entire minor leagues. Uh, And this was the guy that they gave it to. But so he's been impressive there. You know, I saw, I watched his, uh, uh, the the home run uh, was certainly impressive the way he uh, he went out and got that pitch off Sean Armstrong Um, with that. And the fact, you know, they've, since he's been up, he has hit, he hit leadoff in one game, but he's hit fifth or sixth the rest of the time, mostly fifth. So he's had one, two, three games that hit in fifth, one hit in leadoff and one hitting sixth. And he's played every game that the team has had a game. Uh, so it's like, I took it back. He did not play on Friday night, but that would have been the McClanahan night. And I, you know, I would have begged out of that game too, uh, with that. So that's the only game that he hasn't played was the McClanahan game, but it kind of reminds me of like watching him play, you know, uh, you know, Nicky Lopez a bit. And we saw what Lopez did kind of under the radar when he first came up through the system. And this was when they moved Merrifield this created the opportunity for Massey, and Massey could perhaps do what Lopez has done. I don't. I wouldn't expect Massey to go out and steal twenty bases like Lopez did, but to have the the next version or iteration of the uh, high contact uh, spray and pray approach uh, middle infielder that does everything decently, but not anything too terrifically. This that Casey profile. Massey seems to be the next guy to slide into it.
0: Yeah, he feels like a kind of like a 13 13 guy with a good batting average um, over the course of a full season. But like those kind of guys have value and, and tend to be undervalued, uh, especially in the leagues where he should go uh, in, in kind of deeper leagues. Right. So um, I think people tend to overlook those guys, but those guys end up becoming a lot more valuable than high risk, high reward guys. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, my, my only caution there is back to the KC thing. The difference between him and yeah. Segura is your runs and RBIs in KC are not accumulating with that 13-13 the way they do mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, right?
0: Absolutely. Much yeah. uh, much better park, much better uh, team context in Philly. Um, so poor man. He's, he's diet, Gene Segura. Gotcha. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Ray, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. Looking forward to seeing you in, in, uh, in Arizona in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Remind, remind everybody to reach again, and then, yeah, plug the plug. First Pitch Arizona, anything else else you guys got going on at Baseball HQ?
1: Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at RayHQ, and if you're interested in finding more about First Pitch Arizona, just hop over to BaseballHQ.com, and on the uh, right side of the homepage, about halfway down, there's a big old orange and red logo of uh our first Bridge Arizona conference. Click on that; you'll get all the details. We'll be uh, we'll be refreshing the schedule to adjust for the Fall Stars game this weekend, and uh, that'll be all up on the website this week. And as I mentioned, the uh, the next registration deadline is Friday.
0: Absolutely, it's. Uh, I mean, we we talked about it for an extended period of time at the beginning of the show, but it is well worth uh, what it costs to to get out there because it's just it is so much fun. It's something we talk about. Um, all, all year long, uh, just how much fun we have. And uh, I, I've been talking with Paul uh, on and off air the last few weeks about just how excited I am. And
1: I am bringing the wife again this year. I, I think I saw on Twitter that Jen might be coming too.
0: Yeah, Jen's coming. Uh, Danielle is coming. So, yeah, um, is not
1: coming, So, <laughs> um,
0: so uh, you know, uh, if you've ever wanted to meet the, uh, the Mrs. Mason, um, she will be there again this year. Uh, roasting me uh, consistently. So uh, if you think that she acts any differently in person than on Twitter, you are mistaken. So, if you enjoy that kind of content of her uh, beating me up verbally, uh, she, she would be the there other. to do something. Yeah, exactly. So, where uh,
2: has it? She applied for a session. She'll be presenting. Oh, I, yeah.
1: I saw that. We'll yeah. be about
0: that. <laughs> I that. I, I think that's a great idea, right? So, but uh, that's just yeah. me. <laughs> I am intrigued for sure. <laughs> uh, Jason, remind everybody where you can reach, and uh, you got anything going on? uh at
2: jason Colette uh on twitter and uh no so really don't have anything going on if somebody has an article they'd like me to write uh throw one my way i'm kind of in that block where it's like what do i need to write about this week um i hate that's what i hate about this time of year there's only so much we can do to help your fantasy team right now uh so but i don't it's too early to jump into next year and i really don't want to get into the end of year review stuff just yet september different story uh, but I'm trying to look for something uh, to write about today and tomorrow. So if you're listening to this today, you think of something, shoot me a DM. Uh,
0: you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, F-W-F-B, uh, write daily over at Fangraphs uh, on, of course, this podcast, uh, the TGFBI podcast, and the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast. A uh, lot of fun things going to be coming up in the off season, which we'll get to as we get closer uh, to the off season. So stay tuned. Keep uh, uh, listening every week. Uh, Paul and I are going to, Uh, Definitely sit down, game plan, some really cool things uh, for the offseason and for coming into 2023. I'm already in my first draft of 2023, and I'm building a monster team right now uh, in my three-sport league. Uh, Definitely went a little – probably too baseball heavy, but I just – I can't help myself. Uh, I'm a football slow draft. draft.
2: I'm actually dipped my toe in the football slow draft season. So I I, I am – we had two keepers so I, I love my keepers go bills you yeah. know I, I got josh <laughs> allen and gabe davis uh and, and as, as fourth and 11th round picks so yeah uh is great uh and then i went out and uh well how would i open travis kelsey because it's a point and a half per reception for tight ends so i was like the first five picks were running backs i'm like i'm gonna go kelsey and, and go that route because george Kittle was so nice for me last year in that capacity as a third round pick But yeah, I started football draft and I have one more and I'll be done with that. I don't do any high stakes football because it is very, very much casual for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't worry. For those of you who hate football talk, we don't talk a lot of football on this show yes. um, just because Jason and I are both Washington Commanders fans and Paul's a Detroit Lions fan. so, yes. so our season's um, over in week two. Um, yeah, yeah. so it's usually we, – we get excited week one, and then by week two we completely ignore it again. So uh, that will wrap us up for this episode. Uh, for Ray, Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.